last week I was sharing with you, I shared with you a story about um, me going to camp. And I was thinking, I thought, well, um, because I wasn't able to finish last week's message, I, I wanted to kind of come back and I wanted to think with you more about grace and a heart without grace. And I was, I was telling you about a time when I really needed the grace of God and I was given the grace of God from a director. Well, when you receive the grace of God, you must also give it, right? So a lot of you, if not almost all of you, know that I was a youth pastor before I came here to Kingwood. And there was a lodge that we would go to for our youth group called Breakaway Lodge. Interestingly enough, I just learned this last week that it's closing its doors. After 50 years of service, they're closing its doors, um, which is sad. I, but it, it's okay because there are seasons for everything. And, and I just, I learned that they're going to have to close their doors. It's expensive to run camps and stuff. A beautiful facility. I love the memories I have out there. It's in Gearheart. It's run by Young Life. Young Life is still going really strong, but this particular branch, they've got to close down. Well, we, um, on, on youth retreats, they're great. You know, you lose a lot of sleep <laughs> and you have a lot of fun. You eat a lot of good food. And it's, it's really a good time to actually just kind of dive into the Word of God and really study it and allow God to just speak to your heart because He does that. And I love Breakaway that retreat because a lot of times I felt like as a youth pastor, I was almost able to kind of get out of the way and just let God do his work because he did. Just like, hey, take this. And I would think through questions, study questions, but you spend time in, in this book and then we're going to come together and discuss it. And I love the discussion that would take place. Well, part of working with teens is also um, they like to have fun and they like to stay up late and they like to do pranks. Now, pranks is when you go and you kind of like sabotage Usually, in this case, the other gender, all right? So it, it was where there is, in the Breakaway Lodge, second story, there's a guy's wing of a bunch of, of rooms, and there's a girl's wing with a bunch of rooms. And it was fun, and it was innocent for a while, and it was, you know, the guys would, for a while, key, right? It, it was, you know, the guys would, like, prank the girls and do something that would make them all mad, but it was kind of fun because it was the name of being flirtatious and stuff, you know. And the girls would, would get all, you know, oh, I can't believe it. We got to get the guys back. And they would try to get the guys back. It, it, it got to the point where it was escalating too much. And it was the point where I said, and I talked with the staff, and we, we kind of made this together. We're like, this is getting out of hand. We're going to break the building if, if this continues on. So let's just, this is, let's just let's put an end to it. So we said, said, the rule is, on this particular year, we said, no pranks. Oh, man. Yeah, okay, no pranks. Okay, so the very first night, Friday night goes by, and it, it's okay. There's no pranks. Oh, this is going good. Saturday night goes by. Two girls. They couldn't just like, we're going to just behave. Was, no, they had to go. And what they did is they got saran wrap. And they put the saran wrap down on the floor in front of all the guys' doors. And they took honey from the kitchen. And they put honey on the saran wrap. Now, I, I appreciate them thinking and using their head and like, let's protect the carpet. This isn't our carpet. Let's put the saran wrap down. 
Good job. I applaud. I applaud these young ladies for doing that. That's great. What they didn't think about. This is an old building. This is an old building that is not level. It's an old building. You could see the slope in the floor. You could see it. You didn't have to get out your level to say, is this level or not? You just say, no, this is unlevel. This is not level. By morning time, all the honey poured off of the saran wrap on the carpet. Now, I forget exactly how all of this played out. <laughs> but I know I figured out who it was. Because I'm a youth pastor. I mean, like, we've got, like, this inside scoop to, like, what's going on here, all right? So I knew who did it. And I don't remember exactly what the conversation was like. But I remember not necessarily pointing the finger and saying, you did it. Remember, like, this, this director, I loved how he came about it. And he was really gracious with me. I remember, though, after the morning message, Sunday morning message, these two girls came to me, walking down the hall. I sent everyone to go clean up. By the way, I had one of my staff members who was a real servant before any of the guys got up. He was, he, he is, um, he still is. He works at one of the schools in Dallas and he is in charge of all the maintenance and janitorial stuff. He just does it all. He's there on his knees. I wake up and I see him on his knees scrubbing the carpet before any of the guys woke up, you know. So, no, it was already cleaned up, all right? Well, those girls, after the message, they, I sent everyone off to go clean up their stuff, and these girls come down the hall, and I could tell that they were as guilty as could be. They, they just like, if they were a puppy dog, tail was definitely down. And it was just like, oh, you could just tell it was just killer for them to come. And they just did the very best they could to spit out those words. We did it. And we're sorry. And I was able to extend grace to them. I was so glad that they just owned up to the truth of it. They owned up to this truth and they just recognized that they're the ones that did it. And I just said, thank you for letting me know that you did this. I forgive you. And you know what? That was all they needed. They didn't need to be like, all right, you're going to learn the lesson now. No, they had learned the lesson. I just said, I forgive you. And I gave them a hug. And I remember as I gave them a hug, their faces were as red as could be. Like they had a sunburn, but there was no sun that weekend. And their arms were just down, lethargic. And I went to hug them and they couldn't even like get their arms around me. I was just like, it's okay. I forgive you. Grace. We need God's grace. We long for God's grace. Are we willing to extend it to other people? We in the church are people who long for God's grace, but we also need to be people that are extending the grace of God to other people. If you weren't here last week, I want to just really quickly review where we were at. We were looking at a passage in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is invited to a house, 
of a Pharisee. The Pharisee's name, Simon. One of many Simons in the Bible. And Jesus is there, and it's interesting because as Jesus is there, reclining at the table, Simon completely ignored all of the customs that he should have done to make his guest feel at home. He should have put his hand on their shoulder and given a kiss of peace. That never happened. He should have removed the sandals of Jesus and washed his feet. That never happened. He should have anointed Jesus' head with oil, a touch of olive oil. That never happened. Everything that Simon would have known, he ignored. He didn't do it. Has to make you ask the question, why? Interestingly enough, the person that did it was this woman who enters, who according to Simon was, she's a sinful woman. She was a woman who was known for her sin. She was probably a prostitute. She was known in the city. That's that woman. That's the woman who came and did that which Simon should have done. That which Simon ignored is what this woman comes and does for Jesus. She, she must have known about Jesus and she was so overcome with, with gratitude, I believe, for Jesus that she comes and she is moved with emotion. And as she is over Jesus, over his feet, and his feet would have been reclined back away from the table because they're considered unclean. The tears poured down her face and hit the feet of Jesus and she takes her hair and lets it out. That means nothing to us. Big whoop. Big deal. In this culture, that was a big deal. There would have been a (gasps) gasp. What is she doing? In that that culture, only a woman would have only done that in the presence of her husband. And so there you can almost hear it, even though it's not recorded in scripture, you can almost hear this (gasps) I cannot believe what she's doing. Does she know what she's doing? And then Simon says to himself, the text tells us, says to himself, if Jesus would, if Jesus really was a prophet, he would know that this is a sinner. There's a self-righteous attitude here, if he would know. And man, it would have been so (laughs) arrowed to the heart. When Jesus responds to that which he is thinking to himself. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning. Because Jesus has something to say to Simon. Take your Bible, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 41 through the rest of the chapter. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible on the rack in front of you. You're welcome to use that one, or you're welcome to just simply follow along and listen. Luke chapter 7, verse 41. Well, verse 40, really quick. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. 
That is Jesus responding to the thoughts that Simon had to himself. And when Jesus is saying, I have something to tell you, there is this, what he's kind of conveying is, Simon, I have something to tell you and you are probably not going to like what I have to tell you. And here is what Jesus says. Verse 41, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. I'm going to stop there. Jesus is saying, Simon, I want you to think about this. It's a parable. I want you to, to think with me. Two guys, they both have a debt. Their debts are, one is 50 denarii. That would be the equivalent of one worker's wages. One man's worker's wages. You work, for, sorry, for a day. All right? So if his debt is 50 denarii, then he is working for 50 days to cover his debt, to, take, to pay back his, his debt. But the other man has 500 denarii. That is 10 times the amount. That is 500 days of working to pay off the debt that you cannot pay back. And Jesus says, I want you to think about this, Simon. If both of these guys owe this debt, which one loves the guy who cancels the debt? Because this, this man, in this case, he says, hey, I understand that you cannot pay it. So I'm canceling the debt of both of you. But which one loves more? And Simon says, well, I guess it's probably the guy that had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus says, yeah, you've judged correctly. You are right. Verse 44. Then Jesus turned toward the woman. I love it. So he, Jesus is looking towards this woman, but he is still talking to Simon. And he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, Simon. You did not give me any water for my feet. This woman, she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. Simon, you did not give me a kiss. This woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You, Simon, did not put oil on my head. She has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, Simon, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Stop there. He's saying, this woman, she is forgiven. The evidence is that she has great love. You want the evidence? Look at her love. Her love shows, it demonstrates that she has been forgiven. She is aware of her sin. She understands that she's sinful. 
but perhaps with Simon, there seems to be this self-righteousness. And for all we can gather, Luke doesn't go on to explain more after this, about this, about Simon. But from all we can gather, he never walks away forgiven. Interestingly enough, grace was given. Grace was available to both. It was just as available to Simon. But Simon never received it. And I believe that he probably never received it because he probably believed that he never needed it. The great supporter of the 18th century ministries of John Wesley and George Whitfield. The Countess of Huntingdon once invited a duchess to hear Whitfield preach and receive this amazing written reply. This is the reply of the duchess who heard Whitfield preach. It is monstrous to be told that you have a heart as sinful as the common wretches that crawl on the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting. And I cannot but wonder that your ladyship should relish any sentiment so much as variance with high rank and good breeding. What's she saying? I don't need grace. I am beyond grace. Now, in the year 2018, and yes, this really happened. This is offensive. This attitude is offensive to all of us. But you know what? When you think about it, isn't this the attitude that so many people really have? I really believe this is attitude, though we don't ever speak it. I think there is a prevalent attitude in our society. I'm okay. I don't need grace. I don't need Jesus. Hey, I'm better than my neighbor. And I'm hoping that's going to be good enough. I mean, I am not the wretch. I am not really, I'm not the 500 denarii. I'm the 50. I'm not like that guy. And and Jesus, I think there is this implication. Simon, think about this for a moment. You're both indebted. You both have debt that you cannot pay. So you can gloat in your self-righteousness that you only are a 50 sinner. But the truth is, You're still indebted. So don't start bragging about I'm a 50 versus I'm not a 500. The comparison game. I think as people in the church and in our culture, we tend to one of two extremes when it comes to grace. I think our extremes would be I don't need grace. I've heard about that before. I don't really need it. I'm not that bad. That's one extreme. And the other extreme is God's grace is not great enough. Because if you only knew 
who I was, I am so far beyond the grace of God. And we have these two extremes, self-righteousness. I don't need it. But also this other extreme of, I am so stuck. But you know what? I think sometimes when we feel like we are so far beyond the grace of God, what we end up doing is we make much of our sin. And either way, what we do is our, our attitude is really on me. And it is not on the grace of God. Our eyes are on ourself. It is either on how good I am or how lousy I am. But the attitude and our focus is on me. We need to get our focus off of me. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. And on the grace that we receive from God through Jesus. Verse 49, 48, 49 and 50. Then Jesus said to her, to this lady, your sins are forgiven. Some of the most beautiful words in the Bible, aren't they? The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this even forgive sins. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This morning, before we go to communion, I want you to think with me as I think about this myself. How much of Simon is in us? How much of Simon is in us Comparison game. I might be bad, but I'm not that bad. And how much of this attitude of this woman is in us? I know the truth of who I am. I know I need the grace of God. It is only when I can recognize that that I can receive it. Grace. God's unmerited favor means I have done nothing to gain this. I have, no, I have done nothing to receive this. It is not about me. It is not about how good or bad I am. It's not about that. It is unmerited. God's unmerited favor that he gives me. God's grace. Do you know that grace? Do you have that grace? And if you have that grace, are you extending that grace to others? This morning we are going to come to the communion table. I really want us to think this morning as we take communion, I want us to think about this story that Jesus told to Simon. And I want us to think about that 50 denarii versus the 500 denarii. You know what? Doesn't matter who we are, we all have a debt. That debt needs to be canceled. It can be canceled because of what Christ has done. And today, we're going to reflect on that. This morning, we reflect 
on having our debt canceled. I want you to listen to these words of scripture. This comes from Isaiah. This is before the cross. But I want you to think about this because this is very much thinking about the cross and is very much thinking about Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross to pay so that my debt would be canceled. Isaiah 53 verse 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty. This is referring to Christ. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Aren't those interesting words? Nothing in his appearance that would attract us to him. He was despised. He was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. He was familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he, Jesus, took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. That's our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You're forgiven. The debt isn't something we have to carry. Man, isn't that good? That's good. We don't have to carry this. We can be forgiven. If you only know the grace of God up here, ask God to let it sink down here. And I believe that we understand the grace of God all the more when we understand the truth of our sin. That is why this woman got it. Because she understood the truth of who she was. That is why this Pharisee missed it. He did not understand who he was. May I have the heart of this woman. May you have the heart of this woman who comes to God understanding our sin and understanding that forgiveness is found in Jesus. He extends it to us. And for that, we say thank you. And for that, we are going to celebrate this morning as we take communion and remember that Christ went to the cross to pay a debt that I could not do anything about for myself. But he's willing to cancel it. Now that canceled debt is only so good if I receive it. If I acknowledge the truth of who Christ is. Acknowledge God's gift of Jesus to me and receive it by grace. It has been given by grace. I receive it through faith. Faith in Jesus. And I trust that you know that. And I trust this morning you will enjoy the grace of God. I'm going to invite those who are serving with me this morning to come on up. And we're going to prepare for communion. Take a moment just to quiet your heart. And allow this to be a time where you can just um, 
reflect on what you've heard this morning, the truth of God, and as God's Spirit speaks to you. We're going to serve the communion. We're going to serve it. Um, We're going to begin with the bread. I'm going to ask that you would hang on the bread. Once the bread has been served, the elders are going to come back up here. We're going to get the cup. We're going to bring the cup to you. Try to find a place where you can just put the bread, hang on to it, and we will take this together. But we're going to serve it at two different times, so you're not having to juggle too much, okay? All right. Um, Take a moment and reflect as the elders serve you on the grace and goodness of God.